Hey everybody, you're listening to So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Gary. And it's David again. Yay! Yeah! This week on the show, we are jumping into Avengers Age of Ultron. But the first thing I want to remind everybody of, is what I remind everybody of every episode now, is that our episodes, all of them, if you missed the Avengers maybe, or, or a Marvel episode, or even further back, you can find them all on our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash so many sequels pod. So go follow us there and leave a comment when you listen. We want to hear what you think there. All right, so let's jump into this one. Avengers Age of Ultron is the second movie in the Avengers franchise. I'm not going to uh, hazard a guess as to what number Marvel movie it is because I don't know. I believe it's 11. Yeah? I could be wrong. I think it's the 11th. <sighs> that sounds like it could be right. I bet it's close. Um, in this one, it's in the aftermath of the Avengers where uh, an alien invasion was brought into Earth and the Avengers saved the day, but we learned that a mysterious godlike villain in the universe named Thanos is working to assemble... We're not quite sure at this point. Some yeah. kind of weapon. Yeah. That involves the Tesseract and other things. And in this one, he's after another stone. But we kind of get the uh, the backstory of that. And how one that could happens. say he's getting stoned. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> one could. No, they you could say that. One could say that. You really I, definitely I would, could say that. I would not. So in this, at this point, <laughs> no, we no, find no. our heroes kind of figuring out what to do now. That, that we've had this big alien invasion and things are not the same anymore. Everything's different. Uh, you have Tony grappling with uh, their own mortality versus this unknown power out in the universe. So he starts creating his own um, kind of weapon that turns into Ultron, who we see in this movie. Uh, was not a good idea. Nope. It, was, uh, it, it follows the path of other, let's create a, an artificial intelligence... Yeah. Or yeah, something if of Tony that had ever watched a sci-fi movie, he'd know that never works out. <laughs> I mean, it kind of worked out for Jarvis, but he never tried to make Jarvis more than what he was supposed to be. Right. He, until he was forced into it. Yeah. To have someone to combat Ultron. Yeah, which we'll get into. Which we'll get into. So that's the basics of the of the basic plot. I mean, I didn't want to go through uh, scene by scene of what happens. No. Obviously, they, they saved the day mm-hmm. uh, at the expense of hundreds of lives, but thousands maybe. Uh, Yeah. But they say they don't really. I, think, I don't think they've get, they ever gave an exact number. No, but you got to imagine it was a lot. You got to imagine that there was definitely some casualties. A whole but city was a lot less than there would have been if Ultron was successful. True. True. true Which. True. So what's everybody's initials? Oh, no, no. I always forget. Oh, one word to describe the movie. New one word. New one word. New one word game. Average. Average. Okay. All right. My word is very complex and serves two purposes. It's catalyst. Oh, okay. Catalyst. Okay. You might be on the same path as me because I said set up. I know that's technically two words, yeah. but hyphenated. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll put the hyphen in there, and that'll be that superpower of the hyphen for the day is making that word one. But you, Josh. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> that's good too, though. That's, these are. I feel like these are all fairly accurate representations of the film. I think so. All right. So now to get into a little more of the meat of it, what's everybody's first reaction to this movie? How many times? How many times has everyone seen it since it came out? If you had to wager a guess, I could probably count on one hand how how many times I've seen it. Because this is 2015. Whole. Yeah, I mean I've I've seen it. This is probably like maybe the third time I've seen it as a whole. Okay, it's definitely a lot less than the first one. How has your thoughts on it changed 
from when you first saw it to now? When I first saw or it, have I th- they? Uh, yeah, they have. Um, <clears throat> when I first saw it, I thought, I mean, it was it was a sequel to to the Avengers. It was really good the first time around. This time around, I felt like I don't know, almost underwhelmed. Okay, maybe you know, I just I just felt like you know this is this is a good this is a good summer action flick. I'm not getting too much out of it. I don't, I don't, I didn't see anything like, whoa, that was neat, or wow, I'm devastated. It's just like, meh, here it is. Now, did this mm-hmm. viewing this time change any of that from your your initial opinion? Do you appreciate it? Yeah, anymore? Do I, I mean, I... No, he said his appreciation went down this time. Oh. oh he liked man. it more Sometimes the first time. you gotta time. ask Andrew more than once. Though. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, <That's> I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, I mean, I wasn't listening properly, yeah. That's okay. No. Yeah, what was it, last week he said that Far From Home... Or uh, Homecoming was worse than Doctor Strange. Yeah, I think he did he put did it. He put that. it in yeah. the lower rung of the Phase Three movies. <laughs> Still fired for that. <laughs> <laughs> now this uh, this is kind of. I mean, ever since I saw it for the first time, it's kind of downgraded a little bit. Mm-hmm. I just I I mean, I, if anything of the of the Avenger movies, this is probably the throwaway. Bull. I take issue with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I take great int- issue with that. Okay. Because of my right. word catalyst. And because of my word setup. Let's see if you and I are on the same page. Right. So you want to go first? You this go one first. gets like a bad rep for some reason. Oh, man. I'm going to check off my list as you go through it. Don't act like you don't know why it gets a bad No, no, no. I understand. But <laughs> if you look at it from a a different aspect, if you look at it as a standalone movie, I understand. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it in the bigger picture of everything that it does, setup. It sets up Civil War because you see an early rift between Tony and Cap mm-hmm. as it continues to get bigger and bigger. It sets up Black Panther because they set, they bring in Claw, they bring in Wakanda, mm-hmm. and they bring in Vibranium. Mm-hmm. It sets up Infinity War because you really get a better look at Thanos and everything that happens uh, leading up to Infinity War. And you understand more of the Infinity Stones mm-hmm. and what they do and their purpose because Thor understands it and brings a light to it. And you see that it can bring vision to life. Um, it sets up Hawkeye as the human center of the Avengers. You see his family, and eventually, what I assume is going to happen in Endgame, this is a predictor, how he goes from Hawkeye to, assuming he goes to Ronan, but we'll talk about that if it happens. Mm-hmm. That's just an assumption. But you see how much his family plays into it. Um, And then at the, yeah, so so it has several, several things that it sets up, and if you look at it from a bigger perspective, it is not a throwaway movie because there are several important things in there yeah. that it lays the groundwork for. Several little, like things that didn't seem important at the time. On a, just a, a very little bitty, little bitty sidestep. Yeah. Uh, that is exactly why I like Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> everyone else doesn't like it, but it's a lot of yep. puzzle pieces. So, yep. so Garrett um, <clears throat> looked at my homework but didn't get everything. <laughs> um but yeah no you're absolutely right the sokovia accords based on the events of the at the end right yep uh you talked about cap and tony's relationship them kind of the very big uh, uh i think a very kind of somewhat iconic moment is that that log ripping <laughs> moment with cap and tony and having a bit of a quiet fight it also it separates thor and hulk from the group they go off and end up having ragnarok this movie is like if you are, you're asking yourself where's Thor and where's Hulk when you're watching Civil War, it's like, well, they showed you in the last movie, like they both like left on different terms, but that's where you know it, it sends them off. It introduces the Mind Stone, like you said. 
It introduces Vision and Scarlet Witch, who end up playing a very large role in Infinity War. So, or maybe not large role, but they play a very pivotal role towards the end of that film. So, yeah, this movie does do a lot of setup, and it sets up the new Avengers team that mm-hmm. we'll get in the beginning of Captain America's Civil War. Yep. So, it, um, yeah, it introduces all those elements, and um, there are obviously parts it doesn't set up. It doesn't really set up anything regarding, like, Doctor Strange or Spider-Man or uh, Guardians of the Galaxy in that way. But as far as the, uh, the, the, the human, the Earth team is concerned... This is the first they're actually learning about the Infinity Stones. Now, I we, in the, we in the we we as the audience we get a little bit of in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, they set it up a little bit there. Yeah, but this is like the first With the time the Infinity Stone is actually an Infinity Stone is mentioned to Cap and Tony yep. and those characters when Thor comes back after sort of figuring it all out. Right, so it does a lot now. I'm not gonna. I, I my, my my words twofold, and I'll get to the second fold after Josh goes. But I kind of think it's a bit of a necessary evil. This movie, it's kind of like Crimes of Grindelwald, where you have to get some things out of the way just so you can tell the bigger story. And it's it's too bad that this film couldn't be better while doing that. But I think that there's a lot to enjoy here amongst the stuff that's less enjoyable. Yeah, because looking at all the stuff that you and I mentioned is basically hindsight 2020 because at the time, you know, we didn't know what was coming. So right. it was just base level. But looking forward, you can see the groundwork that is laid. But at the time, mm. it was not known. No. Yeah. So making these connections now is a lot easier than making these connections then. Yeah. And, and that's why yeah, hindsight is definitely how I viewed this movie this time. Uh, you asked how many times we've seen it. This has probably got to be like eighth or ninth for me. Dang. Like I watched it, I watched it in theaters, probably I think twice because I watched it um, sort of on my own with my wife, and then I took my brothers to see it uh, probably either later that weekend or the next weekend. And then I, you know, obviously I watched it when I got, when when I first got it on Blu-ray, and I watched it in the lead up to movies where I thought it was going to be fun to rewatch the Avengers movies, you know? So like, I think I watched it before civil war. I watched it before infinity war. Um, I watched it recent. I watched it sometime. I think I watched it sometime after infinity war came out to it and the other Avengers film. So I've watched these quite a bit and my appreciation kind of grows each time I watch it. Um, but I still, I'm still very capable of recognizing the flaws that it has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say I appreciate it more today than I did at the time because of the reasons already discussed, um, how it um, sets up a lot of things to come. It it makes it a difficult movie to watch as a single movie in that regard, but that's what it is. Um, some of my other issues with it involve, I think, to compare it to The Avengers, The Avengers was what I consider to be like Joss Whedon at his best, mm-hmm. and this is not not his worst but it's not at his peak it's not right. peak joss and it's where he starts to have issues i think with um large pieces of mythology coming together and trying to tell too many parts of a story at the same time i, th- I think he kind of struggles with that yeah cuz he's um just not that kind of storyteller i don't think he's a he's a long term guy yeah he tells a good story over a long period of time and so when he has a short time to to do so much i think it it's difficult and then I also just take 
I have a, the the same problem I have with most Marvel movies. The villain is is teased to be better than he is. Um, I'll never forget how uh, slighted I felt by the terrifying Age of Ultron trailers, right? Compared to James Spader just saying one liners every now and then. Yeah. Well, you and they even it got worse over time in this movie because when Ultron was birthed and he was at that party and he came out and spoke to them for the first time that was terrifying and then it just didn't amount to anything after that that was like peak and then it was just downhill from there i even talked about his death which was so anticlimactic for the main villain of a thing like scarlet witch pulled out the heart of the main ultron body Mm -hmm. and then he can still go from one ten man to another ten man and he has that conversation with vision and that's a pretty good conversation but then vision just like incinerates him and that's it and there's not really any kind of like payoff. I didn't feel like it was just really kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, I it's they did such a good job, I think, of building him up in the trailers that he just couldn't help but be disappointed. I yeah. remember they the trailers would have him singing the "I Have No Strings to Hold Me Down" song, right? And it was so slow and creepy. And he has that really good line about. Oh, it's something along the lines of they look up to the sky for hope and I'll take that from them first. Right. That's super evil right. and creepy. And then Joss does his Joss thing where he gives everybody quips and one-liners. Right. And he's good at that, but not every character needs it. And I can't even fully blame him because this is a Marvel issue uh, with bad guys not being great. Um, he's right up there with uh, the Iron Man 3 villain for me. Just a yeah. total... Uh, mislead. Iron Man 3 is going to play into my, my second half of oh, Catalyst really? here in a minute. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead. Villain could have been better. The team aspect was good. It's always good to see the whole team together doing Avengers things. Um, and the setup is good, but as a single story, this one is not quite as compelling as, as the first one. Or some of the other standalone Marvel films mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. So, that's where I stand on it. But I do appreciate it more now. It's just not one I care to watch all the time. So uh, to kind of add one more thing about Ultron, you're right. As he becomes more physically imposing, he seems to become slightly less, um, I guess, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how to describe it, emotionally imposing. Like he seems like he's getting, and maybe it's to kind of serve with the element that he's not all there. Something that Joss said in the lead up is in the lead up to the film is that he doesn't want people to think that Ultron is like a super like logical robot that will always do the logical thing or something like that. That he's like a literal intelligence, like he's like a, he's like a person. So he's capable of forgetting. He's capable of making mistakes, and he's capable of making decisions based on bad information. Like he's not just because he has access to like the internet and because he has. Uh, he can be like perfect, like everywhere at once. Doesn't necessarily mean that he's infallible, which is a fascinating idea. But I honestly feel like the worst part about Age of Ultron is, and is we don't get enough of Ultron. He's very fleeting in the film, and that might be an issue where we didn't get a lot of Thanos in the lead up to Infinity War, but we got more than we had for Ultron. Obviously, Ultron kind of has to go through his entire arc in one film. And he doesn't show up until maybe 25 minutes into this one. Mm -hmm. So he's not even working with the full film in terms of development as, say, Loki did. Loki got, like, a whole film to serve as his, his, like, the beginning of his story. Thanos has had these teasing moments 
these you know in credit scenes this brief scene in guardians of the galaxy to kind of set him up and then he gets like infinity war is almost he he has like as much screen time as anybody else like more screen time than most other characters so ultron is really underserved as a villain because he's got to get it all done in this one and by you know by the time it's over you're just like well that didn't seem like much of a threat no and you know it's at some point in the movie, he's become such a generic villain that you almost forget that Tony created him. Right. And so there's a whole other layer there to explore that doesn't really go explored. So that's kind of a loss too, but it's just hard to do a character like that in, in a short movie. What do you think, so, Andrew? How is Ultron like Jaws? <laughs> <laughs> or the Dark Knight. Or yeah. the Dark Knight. <laughs> no, uh, if there's one thing I have to say that I take away from this is that I... I, I liked Ultron. I thought Ultron was a was an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. I loved James Spader as Ultron. Oh yeah, it's hypnotic. He's it, it's hypnotic very voice. hypnotic. Like it's his voice is is very calm and soothing, but at the same time, uh, the same time intense. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, just the way he delivers lines. Um, but I think like I think you're pretty much you you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Ultron's not developed very much in this i mean we see ultron and then and then you know we know that he's he's kind of that he's a bad guy Mm -hmm. we know that he's the main villain and then you know yeah he he dies i mean he just he he has a very anticlimactic death what would you like to have seen is there like a scene you could come up with in your head that would have helped give ultron a little more development Maybe something hit the cutting room floor. May I got something. Not off the top of my head, no. Okay, but David has something? I got something. So, we see in the trailer, that if you go back and you watch the very first Age of Ultron trailer, there's a brief glimpse of a robotic arm coming out of like a smelting uh, lava drip of some sort, right? I think something that would have been really interesting to see is Ultron building his body. Okay, he's got all these robot parts, right, that he sort of downloads into from after he leaves the Avengers Tower. What would have, you know, how much could they have taught us about how he thinks about himself by showing us him building what he wants to look like? Like, he's in that old, that, that Iron Man suit at the beginning, so that, and it seems to have slightly influenced him, but that might have been a really interesting way to kind of tease, like, what he, and he could be talking to himself the whole time. He seems like the kind of guy to talk to himself. Um, he has all these, he always, all these, he's very philosophical in between his quips. Like he has very, very high ideas or very, um, you know, like high concept ideas that he'll throw out. And he seems to have like an affinity for biblical references, which is also just, I think a Joss Whedon thing. But so he's very, he, he, he shows a lot of interesting elements, but like just time with him or more time, say with him and the Maximoff twins for them to kind of probe and get more out of him could have really done a lot i feel like every time we see ultron in this movie he's like in the middle of doing something you know he's never at rest he's always doing like he's like he's like picking something up or catch or grabbing something or catching something or or stealing something but yeah i think ultron building himself would have been really interesting yeah i agree that would be cool yeah that would be really cool and probably wouldn't have to take that long give it like five minutes yeah. four minutes 
Yeah, it would be. It wouldn't be a long scene. And the, you know, there's star stuff in this movie that I think could be cut out to to make room for it, mm-hmm. so it doesn't have to be longer than two hours and twenty minutes. I think the party scene was really funny, but I think that a lot of that could have been condensed. Uh, the I, only part of the party scene I absolutely need is everyone trying the hammer. to pick up the, the hammer because yeah. it's also it's funny, but it is also important because um, it because sets up Vision being um, worthy. Yeah, and yeah, it, it shows that, that Cap is really close. Yeah. yeah. And so it's important with we the should, funniness. We should talk about when we're, when we're close to done. We should come around and talk about why or why they what, what the limit there is for what makes you worthy. Oh, pick up the hammer. Okay. Okay. What we you know what we think it is. Put a pin in that one. Um. Yeah. So what? what sorry. What did you say? You said the party scene. Yeah. Yeah. The party scene could have been cut. There was a lot yeah. of aspect. It was. I really enjoyed the humor in this movie. I think that they did a good job of putting humor in there. Hawkeye is hilarious mm-hmm. most of the episode or most of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the party scene is really funny. Um, but like, you know, you have, I wrote down that I thought it was funny, but it's not necessary when you have Rhodey or War Machine, um, telling his story <clears throat> to Thor and Cap, or to Thor and Tony, and it's supposed to be really funny and they don't laugh because they're like Avengers and right. they're like, whatever. But then he goes and tells it to the regular folk and they're like, oh, that's Ooh, funny. And you're yeah, like, yeah. Makes me feel good. Like, that's not necessary. You can yeah. take that out. It's not needed. The only necessary part of that party scene. I mean, there's a few good, like, little lines. You know, Cap talking with Falcon, briefly being in the movie, and uh, and obviously the party, obviously the hammer lifting scene, but also Stan Lee's cameo, which I think is his best cameo. Yeah. Yeah, it was is fun. him as an old uh, World War II veteran who, amongst these other group, tries to drink this ancient, ancient ale. <laughs> and... He has, to limp, he has to limp out. There's a guy, if you watch in the background, who's just frozen in place holding a shot glass, <laughs> which is my, <laughs> I think that might be my favorite reaction to, 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 to being, getting way too drunk is just being frozen. But yeah, a lot of it was not necessary. Um, could have been cut down. How do we feel about um, the two new, well, I say two, the two new main characters, I guess, in... Um, Wanda and Pietro. I guess you could say the two new main characters are Wanda and Vision. And uh, then, yeah. And then there's also Pietro. I think that it is a weird shame that the same year this movie came out, we also got Days of Future Past, which gave us, I think, a more interesting-looking Quicksilver in terms of how his powers work. I, I but, think the X-Men Quicksilver is better. But this is a more comic, in terms of everything else, comic-accurate version of Quicksilver. <laughs> he's foreign. He's... The, the suit actually looks more like what what Quicksilver wears in the comics. And I I don't know. I think that Taylor, uh, Taylor um, Aaron Johnson, kick-ass, he looks, I feel like, a lot more how, like, just his lankiness. It looks a little bit more how, how Quicksilver looks in the comics. But when you have mm-hmm. Evan yeah. Peters, Evan Peters also in kick-ass. Yeah. yeah. You know, so they both played a Quicksilver. One of buddies. I think it's just they. The you can go listen to our kick ass episodes on our SoundCloud. <laughs> SoundCloud. slash so many sequels pod. That's okay, true. Continue. <laughs> Recently listened to those. Worth the listen. Very fun. Uh, listen to Grown Ups as well. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Evan Peter, it just looks so much cooler. The stuff they did with with Quick with Quicksilver in Days of Future Past, him running it like in like super slow mo and all that stuff. So it's kind of unfortunate. But I feel like this is fine but i mean it's a it like it, it kind of has the same problem as ultron is quicksilver doesn't really stand out in many people's mind because his whole arc is that one is this one movie his whole arc done. is to unite scarlet witch with the avengers um but they didn't do enough to make me care about his death 
Right. It's, and I was going to say, did we need him? Like, we talk about cutting down this movie. We could have cut out Quicksilver entirely because he. we don't have to have him to have Wanda meet up with the Avengers. No, there you, are other ways. You could do the exact same story, I mean, you would just not have Quicksilver. Exactly. No, Quicksilver could yeah. have died before, and then she found out in some way, shape, or form that Strucker was responsible for it, and I don't know, you could have done it in a way that would have made her turn from bad to good um, without him being there. Because his death wasn't that meaningful. No. And he doesn't offer a lot to the movie. No. Other than saving Hawkeye. Right. Yeah. But again, yeah, any, but, any character could have Yeah, but it's all things that they could have done in different ways. And it, it does, feel, it kind of, like, I remember as it happened, I was just kind of like, this is not the same impact as Coulson. Like, it's just like, yeah, when he dies, yeah. it felt like Joss Whedon needed to kill somebody. Well, you know how Joss is. And it felt like, <laughs> it felt like a situation where they knew, like, okay, we've made some sort of, we've made some sort of unofficial agreement that we get Scarlet Witch and Fox gets Quicksilver because Fox is not used, Fox is not, Fox, um, in their X-Men franchises never used Scarlet Witch. And. Do you know how it worked that they were able to have Quicksilver? I do. Oh, just for this film? Just, yeah. yeah how go did they get it for this film and why'd they want it? Okay, so I don't know the full details, but my answer that I was able to find is that because they changed the origin story of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, they're not mutants. Instead, they got their powers from Hydra. Um, and they never call it, you on them. And they, they don't use the word mutants because they're not. They're science experiments in this origin. So the, the complete origin and structure has changed. And because of the way movie film rights work, they were able to use that and strike an agreement with Fox to where they wouldn't call them that. They don't talk about how they're children of Magneto. Uh, there's no reference of Magneto. Um, so that in that regard, they were able to work it out with Fox. Man, that's a bad it. deal. And I don't, end. I don't know. If- I'd be like, well, then I'm going to change the origin of batman yeah and yeah. i'm gonna use batman yeah. but his it. parents don't die so i can use it. he's a he's a mutant that lived in the 40s and then he's just really he just never ages you know like they can you know, <laughs> and it conveniently uses a shield you know like why not this is what Fe- uh, kevin feige said we both have quicksilver and the scarlet witch there's a specific arrangement with those two characters that would allow us to use them with avengers but not discuss or reference their mutant or Magneto-related lineage. They can use them as mutants and as Magneto's relatives, but cannot have anything to do with the Avengers. So they have to kill him. Yeah, so, so probably... So why have him? It just made more sense. Yeah, it made... I guess it made... <laughs> they wanted They wanted to establish that relationship. I don't know. Maybe, but... Yeah, but, I guess. But, I mean, know. it's all... It's a, it's, a, it's a moot point now. Yeah, it's a, it's a moot point. It's a cow's opinion. Cow's I messed opinion. that up. <laughs> but it uh but i mean they've got they've got the rights back at this point so if they want to reintroduce quicksilver they've got leeway to do so that's not <laughs> what but they also don't ever call these characters by those names they don't call no. them scarlet witch they don't call them quicksilver so no I mean, they don't you know go ahead andrew no 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 i, I cut you off I did, no i didn't have anything to say he didn't have anything to say at all okay um and what I did, what I was going to say didn't matter. So One thing that was kind of funny is I, I went back and was reading through like old stories about when pieces, news pieces of this movie came out and kind of the reaction. Oh, yeah. Social okay. media in the comments. And one of my favorites was when Paul Bettany was announced as Vision. Oh, man. That was so it exciting. was thought to be a rumor at first. Right. And people were like, no, 
this so and so confirmed it, blah blah blah. And they were like, Wait, but he's Jarvis. <laughs> and like there was no thought that is is Jarvis gonna be vision? And yeah. people were like, What? So that was kinda of fun. I was low key rooting for that since like <clears throat> Uh, people are they, like, no, I bet you that he just will sound different. I just really wanted, I wanted Paul Bettany to get in these movies any way possible. And when it was announced he was going to be, he was going to be Vision, I was super excited because I've been a Paul Bettany fan ever since I first saw the movie A Knight's Tale, and he has just a great, charming, innocent-sounding voice, and I feel like it really pays off well. I guess we'll just talk about Vision now because he he gets. I feel like if anybody, if any new character comes out looking good in this, it's probably him. He just seems... Oh, yeah, he's definitely the best new character in this movie. He seems so... Both... He just seems innocent, and uh, he's also super philosophical. (laughs) Like, his first, like, opening lines are just, like, really, like, up there. And I was like, man, this guy, like, talks in dissertations or something. Like, he's just very... (laughs) Well, I mean... It's great, but he delivers them well. I think, like, there, there are two characters in this in this film... That I feel are the most are the are the are the most developed. Mm-hmm. Vision's one of them. Yeah, and I in in the short time that we see Vision, um, we we get a sense of like he he is what he is what uh, Tony Stark made him to be. Yeah, like he wanted to be you know peaceful. Yeah, because that's exactly what he wanted. It's kind of uh, Tony's vision of Ultron. Correct. Yeah, I mean he was what Ultron eventually was gonna be. Was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, I will say my favorite scene in this entire movie was when he picked the hammer up. Oh, it's it's great, and it's because of that ham- It's because of that opening scene where they establish like it, it ends up being more than just a gag mm-hmm. to show to Comic Con. It ends up having a a very resonant moment where he picks that hammer up and like everybody because they're having this the whole shock value of, of of Vision picking it up. Is... I, I I was like right there with all the characters <laughs> mm-hmm. the first time. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, I was like, that's amazing. I was like blown away by the idea. Mm-hmm. And because he's they're having this whole conversation about whether or not they can trust him, right? And he literally says as he picks it up, "There may be no way for me to prove myself." As he hands Thor this hammer that supposedly no one can pick up unless they are like worthy in all of the ways that might mean. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic, it's a very fantastic moment mm-hmm. in this movie. He's a really cool character. Who was the other one you thought was well developed? I would say, even though we saw him in the first movie. I liked how they developed Hawkeye. How, yeah. How they developed Hawkeye with a family and a pregnant wife. And it just made Hawkeye more human. Because mm-hmm. in, the, in that first movie, you don't see the guy a lot. I was thinking that Hawkeye is almost a new character in this just yeah. because we finally see his personality a little bit. And, you know, a good chunk of Avengers, he was under mind control as a bad guy anyway. Yeah, yeah. which they reference in this. Yeah. So, yeah, we find out he's got a family. And he's also very funny. Very funny. Yeah. he's it, it, And it, he's aware of how ridiculous it is <laughs> that he is even involved in this. Yeah. If you think about it, and <clears throat> this is a bit of a stretch, but I'll throw it out there. He's really the main one that has things to lose. Like, Cap doesn't have anything to lose. His people are gone. Uh, Tony has Pepper. That's, that's it, really. But he's, uh, yeah, he's content to lose anything else. Right. And he, uh, you know, Scarlet Witch doesn't have much. Vision doesn't have much. Thor's a god. He doesn't really have much. Um, Not on Earth. Hulk doesn't really have much. He's the only one with something at stake. 
Yeah. He's the sure. only one with a family. He's the only one with kids. He's the only one in this whole series that if something were to happen could fundamentally change him and I think that's what they're teasing for in game jumping ahead yeah. a lot. Yeah, I think this I'm movie... so scared for Hawkeye. I we am. can't talk about this yet. I'm I can't. so scared for Hawkeye. We're really scared. <laughs> I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I'm so, I'm so scared. Um, but yeah, this movie does a lot to endear Hawkeye, I think, to the audience. I, I um I was kinda like a lot of people, I was never really big on him. Like even when they first said, like, oh we're gonna have Hawkeye, and I was like, Okay, well all right. Why not? You know? And this movie does a lot to kind of make him uh give you a lot of reason to care about him. And because you have tons of reason to care about the other characters. They all they all had their own movies. Black Widow has been a supporting character in Iron Man and in Captain America franchises, so we've had a lot of them. Hawkeye's never really had, Hawkeye has only been in Avengers movies and a cameo. So like it was really great for him to have like a moment to kind of like show you, okay, this is this character and this is his background that we're we're working with here, and this is kind of how we view him as mm-hmm. kind of this emotional center that the rest of the guys, the these characters that I think he even says that like they're essentially a bunch of godlike figures out there even if, you know, they're not all immortal or anything like that. Like, I'm just a guy with a bow and arrow. I'm just a kind of like, I'm yeah. just a really good shot, you know? Yeah. And his wife kind of says, I think that they need you more than you realize, more than more than you or they realize is that, you know, you add something to the team that's un- unquantifiable, which is a great place to put him in. And I'm really nervous for what they're going to, what that's going to end up meaning. But, I'm also very excited because I don't know. I I, I love just I, just I I like when good storytelling happens. It doesn't have to be a happy ending for me to walk away going like, "Wow, I'm really glad they did that." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. With Do you want to talk about Scarlet Witch? Uh, sure. Uh, what would I mean? You don't get to see a lot of her. Um, I still feel like I don't really know Scarlet Witch at this point super well. I really like elizabeth olsen's performance mm-hmm. that she was great cast uh great casting you really get to see you know, like they tease what she can do but they don't really talk about it um and after she has her pep talk from hawkeye where he's talking about you know you got to get out there and do it i'm the guy with just a bow and arrow but i'm going out there to fight because that's my job and if you go out that door you're an avenger and then she comes out and just lights everybody up, literally, cool. and then rips them apart with just her mind. Mm-hmm. And so you can see that she's really powerful. And again, all of the mind manipulation that she has done throughout the movie, I think it, it in my opinion, sets her up to be someone that you need to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. Because she has proven to be a bad person and manipulative and can do that. But she can also be on your side. So at any moment, she could potentially swing something one way or another, especially with the mind control ability. Yeah, she can be a real X factor. Yeah, and she also doesn't like really fully control her powers. Yeah. It's kind of a a learning process for her. What do you Mm -hmm. think, Andrew? Do you like uh, Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch or or Wanda Maximoff? No, I I really do like her. I think she's... uh, like the twins, whenever they whenever they were developed, I love how that I love how that turn happened because she was the one who event who who controlled uh, Tony. Mm-hmm. She got Tony under her control, and then when she saw that Ultron 
was a rat bastard. Like <laughs> they just uh, like she turned on it and then all of a sudden decided to use it use it to her will. Mm-hmm. I, I I I think she is completely necessary to the story, and I love uh, again I love how they develop her. Um, not as much as that. Not as much as I love how they developed Vision, mm. but we we get to that later on. Yeah, I think she's. I think she uh, is a character they could do a lot a lot with going forward. Mm-hmm. We've seen her here. We've seen her in Civil War, mm-hmm. and um, obviously she has a very important role in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about next time. But it, it's. I think as far as characters that were introduced in this movie, her and Vision have the most potential to do more to do to do a lot going forward, mm-hmm. if Elizabeth Olsen's up for it. And um, I think they might, I think they've even talked about giving Vision and Scarlet Witch a show on the new Disney Plus series or new Disney Plus uh, Scarlet platform. Witch, yeah, Scarlet Witch. What I said. I assu- no, I assume Vision will be in it, but yeah, it's yeah. mostly. I think it's supposed to be focused on focused her. on her. Um, so I, I'm very interested to see where they go with that. I think that. Like her character, her her powers are ill defined, and her motivations are ill defined, which gives her a lot of mystique. Gives her a lot. No, not to make an X Men joke, but it gives her a lot of of you know, like you you wonder about her, you know, and you wonder like could her motivations change at any time? Could she be the one to watch out for? You kind of see in Civil War that she's kind of she's hesitant, but she's willing to like really hurt people if she has to. So yeah, I think it's a I think it's a it was, it was good to introduce her and it was, mm-hmm. and I think it's a good takeaway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I talked a little bit about it, but I wanted to get a little more into the humor of this movie. Like it starts off with them fighting and you and I were watching it, Josh, and the, and you pointed out that the first word that you hear in this movie, as far as dialogue is shit. <laughs> and yeah. then uh, Captain America says language, language and they go throughout their whole spiel and, trying to fight this thing and Tony goes wait so no one's gonna deal with the fact that Cap just said language and throughout this whole movie that is referenced for the rest of the movie yeah, he just and I find out. that a, a great running bit to death on the it, internet too. yeah it did it was good it's it's good it's you know and the funny thing is is whether or not you you really like it or not because some people don't like it some people think it makes Steve seem too like uh like old manish right but he is he's supposed to be the pure soul he is he's from a different time period right and but i think the great thing about it is it is very very much a character based joke like and and his reaction them teasing him about it that's very like character driven beyond just it's not just making a pop culture reference which is very easy to do or making a a you know just kind of like a one-liner joke like ultron makes a lot of one-liners in Mm -hmm. this week that we we talk about a lot of character, a lot of people don't like how quippy the characters are at various points, right? But that joke, that and the the, the how they bring that back each time, because I think it's done like three or four times in the movie, mm-hmm. bringing you back to that. It's like a little running gag within the group, right? And it's not based on like you it's know, like how we make fun like of that. Andrew for being old. Yeah, he's not come actually back to it old. From time to time, he just is. You don't have to make it every week. Yeah. But when it happens, oh man, is it golden? Well, and, and you keep going, and you have that whole party scene where there's a lot of humor. Um, when they're all picking up the hammer, they try to get Black Widow to do, it, and she goes, "Oh no, that's not a question I need answered." Yeah. Um, and I find that really funny because she's putting all the men in their place. Uh, when Scarlet Witch is bad, she gets into Thor's head, and he's like, "She tried to get in my head, but she didn't because I am mighty." And then you see yeah. the visions of Asgard yeah. and craziness that go on. So just little things like that that they do throughout the whole movie uh, are really funny. And then my favorite humor part 
is when is the interaction between uh, I'm going to call him Quicksilver and Hawkeye, especially mm-hmm. at the end when ha- uh, Quicksilver comes and picks up Scarlet Witch and is like, "Keep up, old man." And Hawkeye just pulls his bow and he goes, I could do it. No one would know. Yeah. I don't know what happened to him. Last I saw, Ultron was sitting on him. And that's the last time I'm going to miss that quick little guy. Yeah, he's a good guy, man. <laughs> and yeah. I, I just thought they did a really good job of, of keeping the humor up. I think that it may ha- I could see how it could have been a little bit too much. And it potentially took away from the uh, maniacal nature of Ultron to an extent. But I liked it. My apologies. That's all right. Yeah, for me, for me, it's really just Ultron. Ultron shouldn't have been funny. The yeah. rest of the humor at least been that funny. Yeah, huh? At least not been that funny. Yeah, or or maybe if the jokes were funny, yeah, but they weren't. It's his problem. Yeah, he just yeah. It's like there. He has a few things he says that <clears throat> I think are are humorous, and I think like he's trying to tell a joke, and it's clearly like based on his his. I guess him being influenced by tony or yeah, or or be. the internet or how he views things but generally it's to me because it's so unnatural to laugh at a villain yeah it, i don't understand it's not the type do that yeah and it's been a they, they've tried to make some of the villains funny it in different ways um and then some but sometimes the villains are the most funny when you just let them be bad guys when you just let them be that that complete opposite um it's not a perfect rule because like in my opinion probably the least interesting villain they've ever done is is not is probably ones you guys went is ronan from guardians of the galaxy mm. like he's so stark yeah, compared to the guardians that <clears throat> it's just it just feels like he's in a different movie yeah and and this is a situation where like ultron kind of matches them in like witticisms that he's trying to throw out there or wittiness that he's trying to throw out there and um sometimes it's really kind of on but it, most of the time it just sounds like he like really awkward improv half the time the thing with claw where he cuts off claw's arm and he's kind of like oh I'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry uh, that i'm sure that'll grow back and he's just kind of being like strange about it but um I, i'm trying to think of like one line where i like i actually laughed oh i did kind of laugh when he does the thing about in hindsight when he's like he's been like melted half down he's going you know with the benefit of hindsight and then hulk just smashes him across the across the city like it, it does make that is that does make me laugh but i think it's the jolt it's the jolt and the it's it's i see it as like the audience going yes please shut him up <laughs> but i do remember this time we're watching though i do feel like ultron grew on me a bit more something about it just i maybe i maybe because i've seen it enough or it's it's old enough at this point that i just like stopped caring because like i was just kind of like i know i already know what to expect so i'm not like i'm not harping on it as much what do you think, Andrew? What do you think about the humor in this film? I didn't think it was funny at all. I found it quite sad. <laughs> no, I mean there's there's points of humor, but it's not like the it's not like the tongue in cheek that it's not like the tongue in cheek that the first Avengers had. I just I felt like this was a more straight straightforward story, and yeah, there were parts in it that were there was humor in places where it sh- probably shouldn't have been, but. All in all, it didn't. It didn't have that same quality. It's it's one of the down. It's one of the downturns I had for this movie in particular. Uh, it just didn't have that. It just didn't have that same humor as it did. And uh, I, it was just for me. It was just kind of a letdown. Right. 
And it has nothing to do with James Spader, unfortunately. I feel no, like, it has nothing. I think to do it was with a James great Spader. choice to go yeah. with Spader. He has that hypnotic sound yeah. that, when you add that little digital effect, it kind of like makes it even more hypnotizing to listen to. Uh, if you, as a listener, and if you guys haven't individually, if you have never looked up Ultron California, you absolutely need to. <laughs> where they have taken Ultron and spliced in Robert California lines from The Office. It, I watch it once a year. It is the funny. It, it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> Robert California is one of my favorite what like out of nowhere characters on any TV show. So did you want to go through and talk about what what we think makes a person worthy of picking up Thor's hammer? Yeah, let's we want to do, do that, that real quick, and then yeah. I'm going to talk about Catalyst again. Okay. So what do you think, Garrett? What do you think makes somebody worthy? Like, what does Cap not have that Thor does? But but almost has. But yeah, he has. He's he has different. He's got to have almost everything else except for. Well, there's got to be like one or two things, right? What is it? He has a past. Um, I think realistically, what I think it boils down to is you know, he he without sin casts the first stone to an extent. Vision <clears throat> is so new and hasn't. He he's he's got the pure nature that uh, Tony wanted mm-hmm. that he didn't get from Ultron, but he also hasn't done anything. Mm-hmm. Um. Cap has been in fights. He's been in wars. He's he's killed people. He's right. done these things. And but and so I, has Thor. But so has Thor. But I think that there's I I don't know. The so is Thor part down. is the hard part. Yeah. You got you got through that. And you went, oh, but I think that apologize. the difference is is he's a celestial being, and so it's upon the gods to keep the peace and not the humans. Maybe I don't know. You think it might be have more to have to do with his Asgardian element. That could be because Vision doesn't have that, and Vision Vision does have the Mind Stone. But does do you think the Mind Stone helps? No, I think that Vision's just the definition at that moment when he picks up the hammer of pure. Like I think that he hasn't done anything at all, mm-hmm. and so, and he's he's not human, right? Um, and neither is Thor. He's a god. He's right. not a human. He's got a some kind of extra nature, so he doesn't have that built-in sin. Maybe I don't know. Andrew, what do you think? I think because because he has the Mind Stone and because he's <clears throat> kind of ascended that power, you know, that power right. level just above humans. Mm. I don't think I don't think he knows yet. I don't think Vision really knows yet what his power really is. Right. And I think because because when I first saw him picking up the hammer, mm. my first thought about that was was that he didn't know what the hammer was. Right. So he didn't know what the hammer was, but everybody else does. Mm. So it, it comes as a, as a surprise to everybody, but not to him, right. because he's out to do the right thing. So yeah, it does circle back to the pureness. So do you think that's why Cap can't pick it up? Yeah, because it, I mean, yeah, I mean because yeah. <laughs> okay, I can't, I can't add any more to that because that's he didn't know what it was, but he knows that he wants to do good with it. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of um, you gotta not want it mm. to be involved there. I think the more you want it, the less worthy you are. Mm. And I think what you what Andrew just said about Vision didn't even know what it was mm-hmm. is important. He doesn't care about it. He didn't know that he shouldn't right. be able to pick it up. Right. And I think there's also a little bit of sort of the sword in the stone aspect to it. Right. Okay. Um, and I think there's intention involved. I think it looks more into just your past. I think it matters where your mindset is right. and what you're capable of that maybe you don't even know. And I think 
I think what Cap is short on is um, a little bit of that intention. Because I think there's a little bit of a... Because he's he's human and not uh, perfect. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of um, self-righteousness involved in his decisions sometimes. And I right. think that's what gets him close to it, but not fully there. So I'm going to follow on your line a little bit here. Okay. All right. So this has been my... I've had this working theory since <clears throat> about 2015, 2016. Um. Okay, because you could look at all these characters, right? And they all have things that you could probably say make them worthy. Mm-hmm. But why can Cap edge it and Thor can't? Thor has killed people. In the first movie, we watched Thor uh, uh, start a big fight in Jotunheim just based on his own brash anger. So, like, surely that would make him unworthy, right? But he's still holding it. We've, you know, Cap has killed people just following orders. Thor probably has killed bunches of people just following his father's orders and stuff like that. So what's the difference? And I came up with this thought. What if it has to do with not just, because I think Thor's somewhat self-righteous. I think yeah. Thor might be some, uh, Thor's arrogant. You know, it doesn't have to do with being like uh, humble or anything like that or purely or, or totally innocent. That might really help out for Vision as being totally innocent. But I think it has to do with self-acceptance there's a lot in cap's past there's a lot in tony's past there's a lot in bruce's past and there is a lot in almost anybody else's past in that world that has self-doubt and regrets that they live with i don't think thor lives with regrets anymore i think thor accepts everything he's done right and wrong and and has like a in within himself an ownership of those things and it, it i think you see some of that in the first thor movie is him learning to put himself, take himself out of the, 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 the level that he had put him on. He put himself on like, I can do whatever I want. I'm Thor, right? And then he was kind of laid low and he became worthy again by the end of that film. So I, I've always had that. That's always kind of been my, my working theory is it's about, it's, it caps almost right there. He has almost everything else, but deep down there's something about himself that he hates. Like he hates that he, can never let him he he can never they kind of explore that in this film he's on he's unsure if he can live without war and he i think he hates that about himself and i think thor has learned like thor's if thor has any fears thor doesn't really show them and that's why his vision i think to him confuses him more than the others like black widow knows exactly what she saw and it terrifies her she saw her past cap saw the past that he'll never get to have or the life he'll never get to have and it seems to terrify him Thor was more confused. He comes out and he goes, I don't understand what I just saw. You know, like there was nothing lingering that really scares him, it seems like to me. So I feel like it's about acceptance and it's about owning your mistakes. Some things that the other characters don't really do. Yeah, I think that's as good a theory as any. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, uh, I'm going to talk about Catalyst. Okay, yeah, let's talk about Catalyst out and time. then wrap up this, the free-for-all so, portion of the show. The, re- the other reason I use the word Catalyst is because I think this movie and some of the things that happened with the movies that come just after it and just before, we're talking Iron Man 3 and Ant-Man, this movie changed how Marvel does things. This movie, uh, someone someone once posed the question to me, um, the reason that a lot of Marvel movies feel the same is because they just get cookie cutter directors. Anybody can make a good Marvel movie because Marvel Studios, the producers, do all the work and you're just there to run the set for them as a director. And I said that that used to be true, like up to Joss Whedon's Age of Ultron. Mm -hmm. But they broke Joss Whedon. 
you can look at interviews him yeah, talking really about did. this movie. It's wild. You list you you can read interviews. I have uh, links to them that I'll give you guys for the link dump. Birth movies, death. Uh, one from Collider. Him talking about the struggle he had with the studios and with the com- the Marvel committee that gave him all sorts of struggle on this film, and he was not overly happy with the final he like he likes the final cut i guess but he was not overly happy with it and i don't think marvel was terribly happy with it and it did well at the box office and it did okay critically i i think but it wasn't what they wanted and around the same time period you have the situation with iron man 3 where iron man 3 shane black revealed a few years ago that the original villain the, the surprise uh, uh, uh that they were going to have is that maya hansen was going to be the bad guy. It was going to be uh, the one pulling the strings and not Guy Pierce's character. But the toy division said, we can't sell a female villain toy. Like, that's just, that's just not happening. So you're going to have to rewrite that. And that cut them off there. Dumb. Ant-Man yeah. and the wa- the first Ant-Man movie, they had Edgar Wright. You know, they had like a true auteur, yeah. you know, working on this film. And creative <laughs> differences and this, this overarching Marvel committee pushed that out of being able to happen they were in early talks with ava duvernay before this committee was sort of uh, moved around and she pulled out for creative differences thor the dark world patty jenkins the person who had gone to direct wonder woman to much acclaim was a tied to thor the dark world left for creative differences and they got in somebody they got in um, alan uh horn i think to who uh, very popular from game of thrones to direct thor the dark world there was a lot of elements of creative differences happening. It was after this movie and, and technically after Ant-Man was released that Marvel and Disney came up with a new a new system. Kevin Feige no longer had to answer to answer to Marvel's committee. He got to go straight to Bob Iger and Disney to get things approved. So previously, the Marvel committee is made up of Marvel TV, Marvel Studios, Marvel um, the Toy Division the comics division, and then I think just their um, general marketing division. And so all of those heads, like basically Marvel Studios can make all these decisions and they go in, they say, here's our here's our, our goal, our plans, and they go, well, we can't sell that. Or, well, that really interferes with what we're doing over here. And so it gave them more, more creative difficulty than they had. If you look and if you listen and, and you read interviews from every director they've had since, you listen to, you listen to, to, to uh, uh, John Watts for Spider-Man, Taika Waititi, Scott Derrickson from uh, from the Doctor Strange films, James Gunn, the Russos, Peyton Reed, who took over for Edgar Wright, they all talk about how much freedom they've been given, and all those. It's no, it's no, it's just no uh, coincidence. Oh, and Ryan Coogler too. I, I'm sorry, I love Ryan Coogler off from Black Panther. It's no coincidence that that all happened after Age of Ultron and after that film did not do exactly what they wanted it to do. They now, uh, Taika Waititi described it as being able to play in their sandbox. There's a frame that I have to work within, but I get to play with anything in the sandbox and do whatever I want in there. So, the and the films, I think most people say, Phase 3 is incredible. It's get, and, and each film seems to be better than the last as far as they're concerned. Hmm. Whether it was Thor Ragnarok, whether it was Spider-Man Homecoming, you know, it's just getting better and better. And people are super excited. Infinity War, great. And so people are more excited than ever. The directors feel like they have more freedom, and it seems like they're taking bigger risks. It wasn't shortly after that we would get our first female villain with Hela, and we would get 
uh, who Black was Panther. Great. Yeah, great and we, villain. And e- really easy to sell, surprisingly. Who would think that, you know, having a goddess of death would be, you know, exactly ter- as terrifying as it sounds. It was great. And, um, yeah, and so this movie, it's be- like it's a necessary evil in that way. We had to, unfortunately, get this movie to get the better movies we got. But, so it's kind of like, in hindsight, again, I think this movie really changed the game because it changed how Marvel started doing things. That's a really interesting way to think about it, yeah, and I agree. one that I had I don't I'd heard and read rumblings about the the Marvel committee in the past, but had had never really gone into that depth with it, and that makes a lot of sense. And it's also a shame um, the the potential movies we had to lose to get to that point, mm-hmm. like Edgar Wright's Ant Man, which. Would have been great. This, it would have been yes, really fascinating. I mean, what we got was good, but Edgar Wright is a whole other. Edgar Wright yeah. is Edgar Wright. He's probably the. Whole, I mean, point. yeah, like you said, he's probably the only auteur I think they've ever really had. And like, you know, like somebody like, who's like very visually different. If we didn't have Taika Waititi to put life back into the Thor franchise, right? Who knows where we would have been there? If they didn't, you know, get coming with like Ryan Coogler, who's coming off these Creed yes. films and then makes Black Panther, and they give him the freedom to like, hey. Do the story your way, and he wrote a lot of Black Panther, and they didn't change much of his script. I mean, they changed. There's some things that, that had to change for various logistical reasons, but for the most part, it's exactly what he wanted to make, and I, I think it's fantastic. And I think the movies are going to get better and better as we continue down this path. That's pretty cool. I wish that they would uh, share those ideas with the uh, Star Wars division. <laughs> exactly exactly has yeah. apparently not learned yet to stop yeah. ruling by committee yeah it, it, it's which has never worked right in the history of the world <laughs> no it's it's very difficult to run it that way you know there's a lot of producers that that work with that it's actually I, I it's kind of funny because there's not actually that big of a team when it comes to marvel studios they hire a lot of people obviously but i think i think it was john Watts who said it's kind of like working on an indie film but with a lot of money because there's only like five people who come in and tell me stuff as far as producers go, which I've been on movie sets where there's like 30 people that come in and give me notes and I get Kevin and I get like two other people. And then like during us, during a certain portion of the film, I'll get somebody during the editing phase who will come in and offer the different things or something like that. So it's like, it's way different than for, it has been for a lot of other people. That's, that's always bothered me and I'll wrap this up because I know we got to move on, but like it's, it's always bothered me a little bit about like, like the idea all these movies are the same mm-hmm. and I think we and I'm glad you I'm glad you cleared that up because like I I for a while always thought that like you know oh yeah well these movies they're just all the same they're just all the same films and that's it's interesting about Avengers Age of Ultron that we with that we see that shift mm-hmm. and unfortunately it had to take the departure of of Joss Whedon in order to finally get it because I think Joss Whedon was a major player yeah and but uh no it, it, I, I like your insight on it that's 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 really good yeah so it, it it definitely it definitely uh clears things up and I think probably after the success of that first Avengers film that the, the hands that were reaching in for various other like making trying to make various points probably got more intense that's why I, it's probably why they couldn't capture lightning in a bottle twice. Like that first Avengers feels so perfect, and this one feels so like you said underwhelming. Yeah, that's it, how it comes across. It feels like they're trying very hard to please to please all the parties. And if there's anything if there's anything I know is that if you try to please if you try to please everyone, you end up pleasing no one. 
So yeah, you're absolutely right. So it's interesting how um, Joss Whedon went through all that and yet still <laughs> went over to DC. Went on sign on for Justice League, yeah. Which also completely fell apart on him. Yeah. And he then attached himself to do a Batgirl movie and then withdrew from it. Yeah. Like, what? I, I think understand. he's more of a deep... <laughs> do, I think do he, what? He was, was going to do a Batgirl movie. He was going to do, write and direct a Batgirl movie for DC and then withdrew from the project. Wow. Um, and that was after he picked up the work um, on Justice League from Zack Snyder after after Zack Snyder had a, a, a family tragedy occur and, and had to step aside. Joss Whedon stepped in and finished the film for him. And then the idea, I think, was that Joss was going to take over the DCEU. And then that quickly unraveled very fast. Yeah. It probably in much the same way his Marvel deal did. I think because he wow. prefers DC, if you ask him, he's more, probably. Of a, he's more of a Batman, Superman guy versus the Avengers. But obviously the, the Marvel opportunity came up first. And then the DC thing just kind of, I think, just fell through on him. I don't think picking, I think it's got to be difficult for anybody to pick up a movie halfway through oh, yeah. or even like, even like 10% of the way through. It's got to be hard to like pick up somebody else's creative idea and move it forward. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Josh going forward. Well, especially with but, uh, Zack Snyder, who doesn't have creative ideas. No, he's... <laughs> It, well, or the ideas that he has are are are, uh, are bad, purely based on I, uh, images. Oh, like yeah. he has, like I think he's in terms of single images. Zack Snyder's got a great vision, but in terms of like putting those vision, those images into a story, it always well, seems to fall flat for me. But this is not a Zack Snyder podcast. Well, well, I mean, like he does everything in slow motion. Yeah, and screening. That's not, you know, there's a lot of people who do stuff in slow motion. There's a lot. Of, I've actually I've been rewatching stuff. There's a lot of slow motion in Ant Man that I forgot about. Yeah. Well, Age of Ultron, all uh, issues aside, was a huge hit. It went on to make $1.4 billion worldwide, um, Mm -hmm. a gross domestic uh, total of $459 million. It opened May 1st, 2015 at number one with a massive $191 haul. Other movies in the top ten that week include Furious 7, The Age of Adeline, a classic, Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh I can't wait. One. We'll be Never there mind. soon. Yeah. Home. We'll be there soon. Disney's live action remake of Cinderella. Ex Machina. Unfriended. The Longest Ride. And Woman in Gold. Never. I got two things to say about that. What is that? Week four or five for Furious 7? Week five yeah. and number two. Yeah. yeah. So that's. That that's, was a that was, huge movie. That was doing really in fact, well for a long we're gonna time. We're going to get into how huge it was because with. Um, Age of Ultron making what did I say four hundred and fifty nine million dollars worldwide? Right. It was still only the third highest grossing movie that year. Yeah, twenty fifteen is a big year for movies, and Ultron only coming in third really says a lot. Yeah, we had uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens was number one with oh, a just 900 unbelievable nine hundred and thirty six million. US, US alone. Yeah. Then we've got Jurassic World. Uh, Star Wars and Jurassic World are, were two massive franchises that were rebooted that right. year. And then we have Age of Ultron, Inside Out, Furious 7, Minions, um, The Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 2, The Martian, that Cinderella movie, and um, the James Bond movie, Spectre. That's the top 10 of 2015. Big year. Big year for movies. I was also going to say, while you look at the next bit, it's hard to believe Ex Machina is four years old. Mm. Because the way people talk about it, you think it came out like last week. Like it's just like I think it's one of those movies that people discover just, on streaming services. Yeah, yeah, everybody like I just see people people post about that all the time, and I'm like, okay, I'll get around to it. I didn't realize it came out four years ago. Yeah, yeah. 
Crazy. Well, now we got to guess the score of this film, the Rotten Tomatoes score. Okay. Critics. I will start. You want to do that or you want me to read you the, read the consensus? consensus? Or do you want to guess first? Consensus, then change. <laughs> I like that. Okay. That introduces yeah. an element. Let's do it. Um, I'm, I want to say 73. I want to go 80. This is critics. I'm yeah. going to say 67. Ooh, that's low. I'm, gonna I'm go, aiming a little low. I'm going to go 85. All right. Now we have our numbers. So here, here's your opportunity to change if you so choose. Yeah, I like this. Exuberant and eye-popping. Avengers Age of Ultron serves as an overstuffed but mostly satisfying sequel, reuniting its predecessor's unwieldy cast with a few new additions and a worthy foe. I'm keeping my 73. I'm going to bump it to 68. I added a 67. I'll move up to 68. 82. I'm still rocking to 85. 75. Ooh, yes. Yeah, Josh is the closest without going over. <laughs> Audience score of 83. Oh, okay. 83 is good. Audience score, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I really thought it would be lower because I didn't look at the tomato meter, but I did look at uh, Metacritic. <laughs> And it was a 67 on there. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, let's see if it's in the same area. Let's see how similar those two Metacritic's sites are. Metacritic's a much tougher algorithm to crack. Seems that like, way. The really good movies score low, lower than you would think on yeah, there. Yeah, Captain Marvel's got a 65 on That's there. That's true. Right now. So but I think the sta- I don't know if the standards are higher for for that site or what. Yeah. I think, or is it because it's, because what is the tomato meter? It's a grade to five, isn't it? One to five. Yeah. And the, I think there's a grade of one to 10 oh, so or, or one to a hundred. Yeah. So it might just be a, different numbers. All right. Um, what is our rating? One out of five. Um, a one out of five Mindstones. Which uh, is a, which is a universal disaster for the Avengers. Uh, there's five uh, Mindstones. Uh, three out of five for me. Okay. See, okay. <laughs> I origi- Two. It's like this. No, I originally had I originally had like three three and a half out of five. But talking about all this with like it's setting up everything. I I bumped it up. It's now four. Four out oh. of five. I'll give it a four out Even of five. Even an 80. You're with the audience. Yeah. You're okay. roundabout with the audience score. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'll watch it again. Three. Three for me. Three out of five. Do we do three and a half? Do we do you half can. numbers? Yeah, we can do a half. You okay. can do 3.75 if you want. Yeah. yeah because crazy I'm thinking about my numbers, right? And <laughs> I feel like... You could do 3.1475. Three three yeah. What is three out of five statistically? That is a... Like a 60-something? Sure. 66.6? I'm making that up. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. It might be close. You making up math numbers? I did never before. 60. 60 even? I'll give it I'll give it three and a half because I imagine that bumps it closer to 70 because I feel like there's a lot, there's a lot of, it's like kind of like the consensus says. There is a lot in this movie and because of that, there's some stuff that's good, but there's a lot. It just feels, it does feel overstuffed. Yeah, it is. It is yep. definitely overstuffed. It's you can't, definitely overstuffed. Can't argue with that. Okay. Um... I'm going to ask this anyway just because it's on my list of questions, even though it's going to be a, a very uh, unanimous answer. Should this movie, should this sequel have been made? Yes. 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 I don't know. <laughs> yes. Like, could they have, should, no, should changes should have been made? Could it have yeah. been better? Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. But there's no universe where I say they should have stopped at Avengers. Yeah, stopped no. at the first Avengers no, movie. No. no. no it, it just, it, that makes no sense. No. It no. does, however, serve. I feel, and we, we haven't talked about this yet, but it's going to be, it. I'm doing my best not to watch any of the other movies in between. Uh-huh. Same. And I feel like it does go to serve that these Avengers films have done really well, better than any of the individual films. Mm-hmm. 
and yet they're so dependent on kind of seeing those in those individual films like there's a lot that develops between avengers and age of ultron shield falls apart uh you know thor is talking about uh what is it uh, thor thor's talking about leaving asgard and stuff like that and iron man's talking about you know destroyed all my suits and stuff like that like it's very if, if and, and honestly with the introduction of the iron legion you think like oh is that an iron man 3 him building a bunch of drones yeah it, it's, like, it's not imagine, but you might think that imagine if the next movie in this series is, is civil war right it, uh like the Marvel oh yeah series. well they make ant-man and then civil war yeah like imagine you were just a captain america fan and you skipped the others and you watch civil war yeah what is You'd this? You'd be like, where this escalated? Who are these people? I don't care about the others. I'm a Captain America man through and through. Yeah, you're like, going to watch the others. <laughs> yeah, like, what's going on here? What and is if, this? And if you're coming into Infinity War, having only seen Avengers <laughs> and Age of Ultron, you're like, what is Spider Man doing here? What the? Who are all these people? Like, yeah. what has happened? Everything yeah, they, has gone they're crazy. Very dependent, Here's yeah. an interesting question to pose, right? As we are wrapping up, do you think that the general masses are just fans of one of the others? Do you think that they've seen them all? Because I think, I think yeah, that most. everybody, that most people have seen them all because of the marketing that they do. Not even necessarily because of the way they tie into each other. I think that's helped over time. But I mean, I think that most people don't go to see a standalone Captain America movie or Ant Man movie or oh, whatever. Like, that. I think that they go see them all. Oh, I don't know you, what yeah. you're saying. You mean that they... You, they don't... What you said, if you're just a Captain America man and you go see Civil War and don't know anything else, I don't think that... I think that person is in the minority. I think that most yeah. of the general masses see all of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, and yes. beyond just beyond just seeing just one character even, seeing... they If they're watching Civil War, they also watched Ant-Man that has like a tease for Civil War at the end of it. And that kind of thing. how do you think Marvel was able to accomplish that? Because if you if you think about it and if you think that that's the case... Comics themselves are not a mainstream thing. They're still a pretty niche thing. They're more common than normal, or than they, they used, used to be. be. Yeah. But like, they're still not regular mass type things. So how do you think that they were able to tap in to the general masses and get everyone to be interested in going to see all of these things and in an entire universe... That they've never been interested in before because people haven't changed just the method of delivering the comics has yeah comics were mainstream when they arrived they stayed mainstream for a long time and now we've transitioned from watching those characters on the page to watching them on the screen people have always wanted to watch superheroes yeah uh, superheroes have always you know <clears throat> were a money-making uh concept prior to 2008 and have only gone up since then. I, I think, you know, you look at the first films they did, I think they just made good characters. P- characters that characters that people care about. And characters that people care about when they're not wearing their superhero clothes. Mm-hmm. Like, people care about Tony Stark, not necessarily just Iron Man. People care about Steve Rogers. You see almost that more. You'll see people refer to them by their actual names more than their superhero names sometimes. How they got them to keep coming back, I guess, both the illusion and the execution of the idea that these movies are all connected, that yeah, you need to see Ant-Man to understand Civil War. You it's don't. It's that they perfected the cinematic universe. Yeah. yeah. They perfected the idea of like, oh, I need to go see this so that I'll understand something later. And you may not have to. You may not have to see Doctor Strange to get Thor Ragnarok, but it would, but you're, but it, it you're it's only good. It's, it only does you good to do, to do it. Like, you know, yeah. you're not like going to watch that, the Ragnarok and go, I don't understand what's going on. I didn't see Ant-Man. That and at the mo- in the movie uh, business today, 
there's not a lot of competition to these types of movies. Superhero movies are today what the action explosion movies of the 90s were then. Yeah, like, or the westerns were of or the, the westerns of Andrew's time. 70s, yeah. <laughs> this is the what western. This is the action adventure. <laughs> uh, this is what is popular in uh, in movie trends right now. Right. So this is what people want to go see. And it feels like... And they're... one day this renaissance of superhero movies will fade. Yeah. And then to several years after that it'll come back it'll or some, cycle. Some, some new thing will pop we'll up we'll be into westerns again yeah westerns will come back i uh a three hour long i think Civil it's War also epics. they've managed to create the concept of a community with this yeah you know like it's kind of like star wars and it's kind of like uh, uh, what star trek you know like it has people who like feel like well we're all in this together as a as a group watching and enjoying these movies together and discussing it together yeah, too you know like it's not like fast and the furious where that's developed a lot of movies and made a lot of money, but I don't feel like there's that big Fast and the Furious community that, you know, like, dominates. Like, there's probably people talk about it, but I don't think it's to this degree, and I don't think it's to the Star Wars degree or anything like that. So it's it's really managing to capitalize on people wanting to have an event movie to go see every year. Yeah. And if you can make those movies tie together in a fascinating way that makes for long-term storytelling then yeah they've just hit the nail on the head it, it's fascinating it's hard to it's hard to single out what it one, one thing they've done all right well that wraps up our discussion of avengers age of ultron we will be back next week with avengers infinity war that is sure to be a good conversation oh, prepare yeah. yourself that might be a two hour long <laughs> it very well may be yeah i'm telling well you now just because not only that we, we try to keep it under a pretty good rap but uh can't necessarily control that one no, no and as much as we're just talking about the ins and outs of the of the series now when we have infinity war talked about we've got nothing but speculation for the future <laughs> yeah while we uh so highly anticipate in game so you listen to our two-hour podcast then you go watch the three-hour end game and it's then the you'll listen to, to our five-hour podcast on Endgame. Can you imagine? Are we even going to get through it, or will it open with like five minutes of silence and us just breathing heavy? Of Endgame, we <laughs> know, our Endgame podcast. We have a good really chance know. that I cry. We, we definitely two need or to, three times. We need to find a way to record it as soon as possible after seeing it. We'll just, we'll yeah. just record it in the car on the way. Home. Yeah, we just all get in the car. <laughs> I don't know. I think we need to. I don't know what everyone else's plan is. I think I'm. I'm gonna attempt to watch it at least twice before we record because oh. the first time barely counts because yeah. i'll be in a haze yeah. you'll be, yeah. Yeah. You'll be yeah. in a, i'll I'll just be like well i plan to excitement. take a vacation so i like <laughs> for infinity war i saw it at like midnight or seven o'clock i don't remember and then i took the day off and i saw it again with people who were seeing it for the first time and man that was fun i got the last laugh on you on that so we garrett and i we worked together at that point in time uh-huh. garrett takes like two days off to go see Avengers Endgame. Oh, yeah, you were there. Or, sorry, he, 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 the Infinity War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he was like, got the midnight show tonight. He goes to see the midnight show, right? I get off work, and I'm able to get tickets to a 7 o'clock preview. Yeah. <laughs> didn't take any That's vacation. Great. Saw it Saw it the next day, well, too. Didn't, 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 uh, <laughs> Four the, hours before you. Didn't one of the guys come up to you and go, did he take off because of <laughs> yeah. Avengers? Yeah, some guy comes up and goes, where's Garrett? And he, I said, he's on vacation. He go, And he kind of like walked away for a minute, and then he comes back and he goes, Hey, take off, see that movie. And yes, I, went, I, I went, I went, maybe, and he went, yeah, he did. And then he walked away in like a very like, I'm going to tease him for that when he gets back kind of way. do it again. But yeah, I, 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 
I'm very concerned Andrew won't stay awake. When we finish Infinity War next week, it's we three hours. So we, when we finish Infinity War next week, we need to talk about what we what we think might happen in Endgame. Yes, we need yes. To like the, the speculation could be its own podcast. Now, this has got to be like an hour long podcast. The speculation at this point. could be its own podcast. It could. All right. Well, you can tell we're very excited to talk about Infinity War next week, and we then what's ahead after that? Clearly not. Clearly not excited. <laughs> um, we want to hear your thoughts though on Age of Ultron, please. So you can leave uh, your comments at soundcloud.com slash so many sequels pod or on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash so many sequels pod. You know, I read those URLs, but does anyone do that? They just open their app, right? Probably. Yeah, generally. So yeah. open your Facebook app on your phone. Right. It may be in your sh- social folder or somewhere. Yeah. And then type in so many sequels in the search bar. We will definitely come up. And we will pop up. Yeah. To it, do that. If you Google so many sequels podcast, you will find us in all of our locations. Oh, that's neat. And, and then, of course, we're at somanysequels.com. Yeah, somanysequels.com. And yeah, hey, and, and follow us on Twitter, too. Yep, Twitter we've been, and Instagram. We've been picking those up. Um, that's it. Yeah. Until next time. Please watch your language, people. <laughs> watch your damn language. <laughs>